0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: What is the strategy behind Speaker Pelosi not immediately, immediately sending the articles of impeachment over to the Senate? The lead starts right now. Constitutional extortion... That's what one Trump ally is calling Speaker Pelosi's attempted power play as she signals what she's waiting for before handing over those articles of impeachment. President Trump railing against dishwashers, light bulbs, the Clintons, Comey, a deceased congressman and his widow, the stunning Rants that only serve to highlight how rattled he seems, plus Democrats facing off tonight in the final presidential debate of 2019. But the number of lecterns on the stage is shrinking. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We begin with the politics lead today on this, the day after the historic vote and questions about what's next in the case against President Donald Trump. Only the third president in all U.S. history to be impeached by the House of Representatives. Now, the Constitution prescribes a trial in the Senate next. But what that trial will look like or when it might take place is a mystery as of now. In an unprecedented move, Speaker Nancy Pelosi indicated she will not hand over the articles to the Senate until Democrats see Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's plans for the Senate trial and deem them to be fair. President Trump today accusing Pelosi of being afraid to send the articles of impeachment to the Senate. And as CNN's Lauren Fox reports for us now, it's unclear what leverage Democrats actually have here, if any. Frankly, I don't
2: care what the Republicans say.
3: A testy House speaker putting a stop to mounting questions about her next move on impeachment.
2: that you look- Talk and
4: criticized Senator McConnell
5: today.
3: Any other questions? Though she didn't say when today, Nancy Pelosi signaling it's only a matter of time before the House sends over the impeachment articles to the Senate. But first, she wants Senate leaders to cut a deal on what the trial would look like.
6: When we see uh, the process that is set forth in the Senate,
7: uh, then we'll know the number of managers that we may have to go forward and who that we, who we would choose
3: After that news conference, Pelosi met with Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, who proclaimed the two are on the same page.
5: Leader McConnell is plotting the most rushed, least thorough, and most unfair impeachment trial in modern history.
3: He and Majority Leader Mitch McConnell expected to negotiate the parameters of the impeachment trial, including whether witnesses will be called. Schumer asking for four witnesses, including acting chief of staff Mick Mulvaney and former national security adviser John Bolton.
5: Is the president's case so weak that none of the president's men can defend him under oath?
3: But the Republicans are quick to fire back, claiming Pelosi's decision to hold on to the articles is proof Democrats have a weak case against President Trump.
7: They realize they got a pig in a poke, and maybe they never send it over because they'll be exposed for how shallow their, their thing is.
3: But there are no constitutional rules for when Pelosi is required to transmit articles. But during President Bill Clinton's impeachment, House Republicans sent them over immediately.
2: The Senate's duty is clear. The Senate's duty is clear.
3: McConnell arguing Pelosi's decision is an opportunity to skip a contentious trial.
2: It looks like the prosecutors are getting cold feet in front of the entire country and second guessing whether they even want to go to trial. They said impeachment was so urgent that it could not even wait for due process, but now they're content to sit on their hands. This is really comical. Comical.
3: And of course, Jake, this is important because the House of Representatives, they're having their very last votes of the year right now. Not included in that? A vote on the House managers. That's a signal that we do not expect Nancy Pelosi to transmit those articles of impeachment before the new year. Jake?
1: All right, Lauren Fox on Capitol Hill for us. Thanks so much. Let's chew over all this. Jackie, uh, I understand that the Pelosi people think that Mitch McConnell wants to get this done quickly and that he has some vulnerable members, but... What leverage does she actually have here, if any?
8: It's a good question. Uh, there's a couple different schools of thought here that if you slow down the process, perhaps some of these court cases that the Democrats have pending will come through. Perhaps uh, you'll get a witness to testify because of that. But it is putting a lot of chips in an uncertain pile, right? That's not I don't gamble. So I don't, that's not the right <laughs> thing. But but uh, but, it, but it, it, it's a no, curious it's close enough. Yeah, it's a curious strategy because you're right. Uh I, it's unclear how this puts any pressure on moderate
9: Republicans um, at all. It's, it's also not clear to me that Nancy Pelosi thinks she has leverage, right? I, I've read the stories on this and seen her comment on it, it seems like some of the stories have been a little overwritten. It seems like she wants to wait on the process, see who the managers are, uh, and then at some point there has to be a bill about who the managers are, how, how to pay for this uh, as well. It seems perfectly reasonable to wait until January uh, to do it, I, but I don't think she senses she has any leverage uh, with Mitch McConnell. She's met Mitch McConnell, right? And, right. and so the idea, yeah. uh, that, I mean, she knows that, I mean, what would the leverage be, right? Oh, I have this thing over here that you don't actually want. Uh, and, and if you don't give me what I want, I'm not going to give it to you. He doesn't. He doesn't necessarily want to go through with impeachment. So holding on to it, I don't know how that gives her leverage.
1: But Kirsten, what, the, what it does do is it allows uh, Republicans to fill in the blanks. Um, for instance, you just heard Mitch McConnell saying they, you know, they rushed this through, mm-hmm. uh, and now they're holding back. They're talking about how maybe Democrats don't think their case is strong enough. And Josh Holmes, who is McConnell's former chief of staff, he tweeted. Bottom line, if the House refuses to move to a trial, they're dropping the case. It's a much bigger win for President Trump than an acquittal because it's an explicit admission. They didn't have the goods to even present the discussion in front of anyone other than themselves. Now, obviously, that's spin, but, <laughs> yeah, but and I'm, I'm sure you disagree with it, but, but doesn't this move lend itself to... Republicans filling in the gaps of what the explanation is.
10: I mean, they can, but I think based on talking to people in the House leadership that they do feel like the president really wants to be exonerated. He doesn't just want a resolution that passes or something that's where there's actually no trial where he's exonerated. So they do feel like they have some sort of leverage. We could debate whether or not that's true, but but they feel that. They also feel like they want to try to get at least what they got in the Clinton impeachment You know basically to have some sort of agreement on what the what the rules are going to be. And and ideally, that would involve some people testifying, but at a bare minimum, to have some agreement on that. And they say that would influence the type of House managers that they choose. So they need to they're they're, they are they're negotiating. And I have to say, I understand everybody reveres Mitch McConnell. and, And he's, you know, the process man. And he's kind of will do anything. But I wouldn't underestimate Nancy Pelosi. And she she is kind of consistently underestimated. And, you know, I think that she has almost always ended up being right in the decisions that she's made, even when people were criticizing her along the way.
1: So assuming that it does go to a Senate trial, I think I think it's probably a safe assumption that it will happen at some point. A source tells CNN the White House is weighing four staunch allies for the House to be the House managers. Uh, Jim Jordan, John Ratcliffe, Mike Johnson and Mark Meadows, uh, everyone except Meadows, met with the White House
11: counsel this week. Uh, what do you make of those picks? Standard. It's what you'd expect. These were people that were sort of stars or performed or, you know, were good, good at making the case for the president when it was in the House. But, you know, one of the interesting things about what Pelosi did was she drew a line in the sand. She said, I'm not going to send She didn't just say, I'm going to hold back and let's wait and see. It's my prerogative. We've got to pass the rule. She said, I'm not sending this over until I believe it's fair. Mm-hmm. So by definition, whenever she sends it over... She's saying it's fair. Mm -hmm. And so if she sent it over tomorrow, then apparently she just undercut Chuck Schumer's whole case because she's saying it's fair that it went there. So she has to extract something from Mitch in her opinion for it to be fair. And I just don't, you know, I don't think cocaine Mitch is going to back down. I think he's going to do what he Thinks, and he's he's perfectly fine. He'll just keep confirming judges every day while he's waiting for
1: I, I, I invite assume. our fr- I invite our viewers to, to Google <laughs> cocaine Mitch to find out what he's talking about. It's
10: an affectionate <laughs> right. term. <It's>, okay. <laughs> kind of The way Mitch McConnell is, is, is treated like like so reverentially over the fact that he will be unfair. Right. I mean, it's just like this isn't the things that he has done are unethical, like what he did with Merrick Garland and the and the idea that he would just refuse to even try to have a fair process and that that's somehow something we should laud. I, I just disagree with that. And, I, and I, I do think in the end she's going to send them over. And I don't think it's going to mean that, you know, that she necessarily agrees. She's going to try to get him to be fair. If he's not fair, that's on him. That's not on Nancy Pelosi. And,
1: Jackie, we have heard uh, McConnell complain Uh, that Schumer wrote a public letter about what he wanted instead of meeting with him face to face. I don't know how sincere you found that, but that that was a, a pushback. From McConnell on that,
8: yeah, but but this was after McConnell had gone on. Uh, I, I can't Fox remember. It was, Fo- yes, Fox or I was, I was <laughs> Fox or something local, and said that you know I'm not an impartial juror. I'm you know I'm here to defend the president. I'm paraphrasing, of course. So there's a little bit you know tit for tat, and you're going to have that throughout this process. But you're going to see an interesting role reversal with Democrats are going to be complaining a lot about the process, which you saw Republicans doing a lot in the House.
1: Everyone stick around. We got more to talk about. President Trump impeached and on. Uh, un- hinged, perhaps, the attack on a deceased Democratic congressman that even left Trump's own spokeswoman somewhat speechless this morning. Then it's almost as if he watched yesterday's impeachment debate, Vladimir Putin's defense of President Trump. It sounds kind of familiar. Stay with us. And we're back with the politics lead, President Trump trying to act as if being impeached is no big deal. All evidence to the contrary, however, if you watch the president's Two-hour diatribe last night, his longest campaign rally to date, filled with attacks on the Clintons, Comey, made-up conversations, outright lies, and more. President Trump even suggested the late Democratic Congressman John Dingell, a World War II veteran, the longest-serving member of the House, and a famous son of Michigan, the state where Trump was. Dingell was in hell, an insult that caused his widow, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell of Michigan, preparing for her first Christmas without the man she loves, To, in her words, be brought down in a way one cannot imagine, making her healing much harder, as CNN's Caitlin Collins now reports.
5: I don't feel like I'm being impeached.
6: After becoming the third president to be impeached, President Trump is counting on a vigorous defense in the Senate. But now he's worried about when he'll get it.
5: The Senate is very, very capable.
6: After finding out the Democratic-controlled House may delay sending the articles of impeachment to the Senate, Trump lashed out at House Speaker Pelosi.
5: They happened to have a small majority, and they took that small majority, and they forced people.
6: This comes as the president is still deciding who should play a role in his defense. Sources tell CNN some of his associates have privately argued that his White House counsel, Pat Cipollone, is better suited for making a legal argument not a political one like the Senate trial will require.
5: We have a couple of others uh, that we're gonna put in, but Pat's been fantastic as White House counsel.
6: While Cipollone is still expected to lead the defense for now, Trump has questioned if people think he'll be good on TV. Last night, Trump attempted to dismiss the gravity of being impeached during his rally in Michigan. I don't know about you, but I'm having a good time. But his anger was obvious. Trump mocked his Democratic rivals, attacked the news media, and at a low point suggested John Dingell, the Democratic congressman from Michigan who died after serving 59 years in the House, was in hell. He's
4: looking down he'd here. Maybe he's looking up. I don't know.
6: The late congressman's widow, Debbie Dingell, who also serves in the House, telling CNN that family should be off limits.
10: The rhetoric, the bullying, the viciousness, isn't OK, and there are too many people across the country that are beginning to think it
6: is OK. Today, Speaker Pelosi said Trump's attack on Dingle is a sign of his insecurity. Let us pray. Let us pray for the president. And the person who speaks for Trump struggling at first to defend him. You'd have to talk to the president about that. Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham later explaining it by claiming the president is under attack.
3: We all know the president is a counterpuncher. It was a very, very supportive and wild crowd, and he was just riffing on, on some of the things that had been happening.
6: Now, Jake, the president was asked in the Oval Office did he regret that comment he made about John Dingell, or would he apologize to his widow, Debbie Dingell? He answered questions about impeachment and other topics, but he did not answer those. Hmm.
1: Caitlin Collins of the White House, thanks so much. We should note uh, that Congressman Jeff Van Drew of New Jersey just formally became a Republican. He announced this while meeting with President Trump in the Oval Office. Take a listen.
0: I believe that
1: this is just a better fit for me. This is who I am. It's who I always was, but there was more tolerance of moderate Democrats. It is worth noting, of course, that Congressman Van Drew has voted with Democrats, which he used to be, nearly 90% of the time. He also tweeted this last month, quote, in light of the recent revelations regarding White House Senior Advisor Stephen Miller, we must stand up against white supremacist terrorism and the racist rhetoric that encourages it, unquote. Uh, Kirsten, your response?
10: Well, I don't think those kinds of tweets would really work very well in the Republican Party. And the idea that, like, you would go from being a moderate Democrat to a Trump Republican, that's just a strange... Choice, I, you know, I, it's not—it's not as though you're going from a moderate Republican. To, I mean, a moderate Democrat to a Republican, maybe in the George W. Bush era or something like that. I, I could see that, but today's Republican Party has moved so far to the right. I, I just something about it just doesn't add up. Other than the fact that he's doing it because he thinks it'll help him win.
1: Well, it, I mean, it looked <laughs> as though he was going to be primaried uh, if he did not support impeachment.
11: And. Now he has the support of the president and a district that President won. Remember, we needed 19 seats. We now need 18 seats. Mm-hmm. 13 Democrats are sitting in seats that Trump won by six or more. Now 12, because he was one of them. And so, you know, the math equation for the Democrats is, is bad on this when it comes to how this helps House Republicans. It also hurts their morale. When you're one of those moderate Dems that had to go walk the plank for this and you know you're sitting in a district that Trump won by six or seven or eight points and you see someone switching parties you know that this is a bad political move for you, and you're going to have to go home and defend it. And so this is a huge morale booster for Republicans, I can tell you. They, when, you when you have a party switcher in either party, it has a significant impact on the sort of confidence, and it happened right in the middle of the impeachment.
1: Uh, let's uh, go back to the Dingle story, because moments ago the president refused to answer questions about whether he will apologize to Congresswoman Debbie Dingle. Of course, he did answer questions about impeachment, as Caitlin mentioned. Take a listen. Thank you. Very much. Uh, And, and Jack, we should point out there have been some Republicans who have offered criticism of President Trump on this. Not harsh criticism and and not a lot. But, for instance, Republican Congressman Paul Mitchell, uh, who is also a Michigan congressman, uh, tweeted, John Dingell was a well-respected man, and I consider Debbie a close colleague and friend to use his name in such a dishonorable manner. at Last night's rally is unacceptable from anyone, let alone the president. An apology is due, Mr. President.
8: This is not the first time the president has... Uh, upset a widow. It's not the first time that he's gone after a uh, war hero who had passed away, who and um, and and gone low like this. Um, we've seen this from the president, but the bottom line is this doesn't make the people that he attacks look bad. This makes him look bad, and it makes him look bad to voters like suburban women who have been uh, upset with with the president's demeanor. Um, perhaps not his record, but they don 't like what he says and, and and how he acts. This hurts him with that demographic and that's um other than just being um obscene and uh <laughs> um, and toward uh, for for lack of a better word um so it, it, it this 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 um is is the least the things i think people who uh who' Really? I'm sorry. Um, I'll I'll stop. So
1: uh, Jackie's one of Jackie's points is the first time the president has gone after uh, a war hero uh, and dead member of Congress and insinuated that the family was ungrateful. Uh, And in fact, Cindy McCain uh, tweeted to uh, Debbie Dingell. I'm terribly sorry. Please know I am thinking of you. Uh, Megan McCain, uh, the, the late senator's daughter, writing this is horrific, just horrific. It's hard for me to eloquently say how disgusted I am by this. I am so I'm just so deeply sorry the Dingle family is being subjected to this bile. Is this what the Trump family version of be best is bullying widows at a public rally sick?
9: Yeah, I mean, we heard it uh, last night, and the first time I heard it, I mean, my stomach just dropped. And every time I hear it, I mean, it's, it's disgusting every time you hear it. I don't know uh, what makes the president uh, behave in this a uh, very disturbing way. The crowd seemed to be also not entirely sure what to do in that uh, moment. Uh, Nancy Pelosi said cruelty is not wit. And just because someone laughs uh, at what you say, as some of the people in that crowd uh, did, doesn't mean you're not mean you you're funny, and this isn't funny. And he might say, uh, this is a joke. uh, And he likes to sort of be a performer up there, a sort of uh, third-rate Rodney Dangerfield when he's in front of those crowds. Uh, But let's hope this is the last time he does it. I don't think it will be, unfortunately. And I think this goes to his state of mind. He's very frustrated with his impeachment. So he's going after people.
1: The White House press secretary, Stephanie Grisham, saying he's a counterpuncher. John John Dingell's been dead for months. I mean, this wasn't counterpunching anything. Um, Mike, just quickly, I mean... Do you think, if the president were listening to you, would you suggest that he apologize?
11: Yes. He shouldn't have said this. I think when he's riffing in front of the crowd and he, he does get into, he's, I'm going to make a joke, and it was a terrible, in poor taste, horrible joke, and he's paying a price for it because people are speaking out against it. He doesn't get much when he apologizes. I think he's learned that his, his supporters don't want him to apologize for anything because they like, hey, if a Republican finally stands up and fights, that's what his supporters want. I think when he does apologize, it's not like everyone goes, oh, OK, great. Thank you. They just keep attacking him anyway. When, but so. when does he ever apologize? There, there's, there's been a few times when the president has backed down from a position, let's put it that way, oh, okay. and he gets attacked anyway. So he's not going to apologize, but a, the, the apology is not the point here. He shouldn't yeah. have said it. He should never have said it. In her words from her tweet last night, I think what Debbie Dingell said are pretty powerful.
1: It's and just uh, She's been on the show, and just uh, it's so horrible, Congresswoman yeah. Dingell, that you have to go through this. Um, we know what pain you're in. Uh, coming up, boy, this uh, sounds familiar. Russian President Vladimir Putin's eyebrow-raising reaction to President Trump's impeachment. That's next. Plus, yeah. leaving town before his boss arrives. The new details about why the Trump administration's top guy in Ukraine, who testified during the impeachment inquiry, is really leaving his post ahead of schedule. Stay with us.
5: While I am aware that the committee...
1: In our worldly today, it was one of the most popular Republican arguments against impeachment that we heard... When they didn't win at the ballot box, they pursued a Russian collusion narrative that special counsel Robert Mueller had to waste time and taxpayer dollars to prove false. When the Russia collusion malicious deception didn't work, Madam Speaker, Democrats sought a new path forward to impeach President Trump. And now we're hearing that line again, except it's coming from Russia. CNN's Fred Pleikin joins me now live from Moscow. Fred, uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin uh, was quite chatty about uh, impeachment today. (laughs)
2: Yeah, he certainly was, Jake. And this came during his annual very big press conference, which went on for over four hours. And you're absolutely right. He was almost mimicking those very talking points from the GOP and essentially saying that he believed that from the very beginning, from when President Trump took office, that the Democrats were out to get him. Just listen to this.
7: This is just the continuation of the internal political battle. One party that lost the elections, the Democrats, is now trying to find new ways by accusing Trump of collusion with Russia. But then it turns out there was no collusion. This can't be the basis for the impeachment. Now they came up with some pressure on Ukraine. I don't know what is the pressure, but this is up to your congressman.
2: Certainly does sound very similar, uh, doesn't it, Jake? Also, some words of support, actually, for President Trump coming from Vladimir Putin as well. Putin saying he does not believe that President Trump will be removed from office because, of course, the trial has to go to the Senate first. And he also said that he believes that President Trump was being impeached for what he called made-up reasons, Jake.
10: Hmm.
1: And Fred, we just learned the Trump administration is pushing back on legislation mm-hmm. from Congress trying to deter Russian aggression. What are you hearing about that?
2: yeah try a very very important piece of legislation, trying to deter Russian aggression in the future, of course, possibly also meddling in the 2020 election as well, and continuously punishing uh, Russia for meddling in the 2016 election. And CNN uh, has obtained a letter that's dated from last Tuesday or was sent last Tuesday um, from the State Department by a senior State Department official uh, saying that that legislation was, quote, unnecessary and required, as they put it, significant changes, that they had major problems with that legislation. The interesting thing about that, Jake, that letter was sent exactly one week after President Trump met in the Oval Office with none other than the Russian foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov. Jake.
1: All right, Fred Blankton, thanks so much. Also in the Worldly Today, the State Department may be pushing out in some ways its acting U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Bill Taylor. Taylor's testimony in the impeachment inquiry led President Trump to call Taylor a never Trumper. Now a source tells CNN the timing of Taylor's departure from the embassy in Kiev May be more than a coincidence. Let's bring in CNN's Alex Marquardt. And Alex Taylor is set to leave Ukraine just as Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is heading over there for a visit. Coincidence?
7: Yeah, so we understand that uh, Bill Taylor is, has been asked to hand over his duties and is set to leave the embassy on January 2nd. This request, according to a source telling CNN, uh, coming from a close aide to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Now, the State Department has not yet released or revealed, rather, when, when Pompeo is going to be over there in Kiev, according to the Wall Street Journal, citing Ukrainian officials. He's going to be there on the 3rd and 4th of January. So Taylor will be leaving the day before uh, Pompeo is due to show up. Now, of course, this puts Pompeo in. this would have put Pompeo in a very tough position politically. He doesn't want to be seen with a guy who testified against President Trump, saying that there was quid pro quo. So he wants to stay in, in Trump's good graces, um, both for his current job and if he, if he runs for Senate. Um, but this is someone, you know, Taylor did go in front of Congress and said in no uncertain terms that there was quid pro quo, that the White House was holding back a meeting and aid uh, unless President Zelensky of Ukraine launched those investigations.
1: Pompeo is the one who personally... Uh drafted uh, Taylor to take the job, now doesn't even want to be seen in a photograph with him, according to this reporting. Alex Marquardt, thanks so much. A new CNN poll on the presidential race is out today, just hours before this crucial debate for several candidates coming tonight. The story being told by the new numbers. That's next. Stay with us. In our 2020 lead today, hours ahead of the final Democratic debate of the year, a new CNN poll shows Joe Biden maintaining his lead nationally. The former vice president in front at 26% among Democrats or Democratic-leading independents, followed by Senator Bernie Sanders at 20%, Senator Elizabeth Warren at 16%, and Mayor Pete Buttigieg at 8%. And as CNN's Jeff Zeleny now reports for us, with a shrinking number of candidates on the debate stage, time is running out for them to make their case before the February 3rd Iowa caucuses.
4: The battle lines are drawn for the final Democratic debate of the year tonight. It's the smallest lineup yet, with seven candidates on stage, all racing to define their opponents and distinguish themselves. With the first votes of the 2020 race, only 46 days away. Joe Biden will be at center stage, as he's been all year. But the center of attention may be Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg, who've been engaged in a contentious fight over health care and his transparency.
10: I think that Mayor Pete should open up the doors so that anyone can come in and
9: report on what's being said.
4: With Warren and other progressives piling on, Buttigieg did just that, opened his fundraising events, and released records from his time as a business consultant. Bernie Sanders has also been turning up the heat on Buttigieg, criticizing his high-dollar fundraisers in places like wine cellars.
2: They hold these fancy fundraisers for wealthy people. That is, not, that is not what we
5: do.
4: What the Democratic rivals are really fighting over is who is the most electable. At the heart of that question is health care, an issue dividing Democrats more than any other. Biden, Buttigieg, and Amy Klobuchar are opposed to Medicare for All, pushing a public option. They oppose abolishing private health insurance. While Warren has long argued...
10: I'm with Bernie on Medicare for All.
4: Her position on health care will likely face even more scrutiny tonight. She still supports Medicare for All, but is suddenly telling voters they deserve a choice.
10: The choice is yours. Give a lot of them a choice. That's a choice for everyone to make.
4: Klobuchar has been gaining new attention, pitching what she calls realistic solutions on health care and other issues that appeal to a broader swath of voters.
9: And I'm telling you this... We better not screw this up, because the people are with us. So the biggest difference
4: of all, Jake, will be the fact there are only seven candidates on stage. Cory Booker did not make the qualifications for this debate. He aired an ad saying he'll air it one time only. He's not a billionaire. He can't air it more than that. He is going to stay in this race. And, of course, Michael Bloomberg also not on the debate stage. So, Jake, the final chance for these candidates to make their points. My question Will candidates finally go after Joe Biden or will he also skate through this? But the biggest center of it all, Pete Buttigieg. Will Elizabeth Warren really use this as an opportunity to raise questions about him?
1: Jake. Jeff Zeleny in Los Angeles, thanks so much. After the debate, Elizabeth Warren holding a meeting to tackle one of President Trump's favorite attack lines. We'll explain what that means next.
6: Joe Biden doesn't have the experience.
1: He's never been a manager
2: of an organization. Um, He's never run a school system. The the presidency shouldn't be a training job. You get in there, you've got to hit
11: the ground running.
1: We are back with our 2020 lead, Michael Bloomberg, (laughs) with a new and interesting attack on former Vice President Joe Biden, arguing that because he hasn't been a leader, in Bloomberg's estimation, he's not qualified to be president, let's discuss. Uh, I have to admit, uh, Nia, this one took me by <laughs> this surprise. Is weird. A lot of stuff to go after Joe Biden for, but the idea that he doesn't have, have the, the e- experience and leadership to yeah, be president. Yeah, is-
9: it's very strange. Like, I had to sort of, like, read it a couple of times and was he sure he's talking about Biden. And you can see other uh, reporters there being surprised. Well, he's never been an executive
1: hal- is the point, I think.
9: Right, right. Um, you know, there is a way to go after Joe Biden's experience and label it as, well, maybe you need a fresh outsider who's, you know, led in the private uh, sector in the way that uh, Bloomberg has. Been. Or a three-term That's not, term mayor. Or a three-term yeah. mayor uh, in New York. Uh, but yeah, this one just seemed an odd uh, shot at Biden.
11: You liked it, though, kind of. Yeah, I mean, this is not what Bloomberg wants to hear. I completely agree with him. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, Joe Biden has been in the government forever. He's never had a leadership position. He doesn't know what it means to create jobs. And so I think Bloomberg's exactly right. Now, I don't want, also don't want the leader to be someone who like takes away my big gulps and runs a nanny state like Bloomberg did in New York, but it's an interesting attack within the Democratic primary. But it is interesting because people haven't been; they've sort of laid off attacking Joe Biden straight on, right? And so I think he sees he has to have that lane. He's better. He's got to start um, occupying the space that Joe Biden's in in that lane in the primary already.
8: But also a curious, a curious attack in this current Democratic primary to make the businessman experience attack right. because. Um, That's the person they're running against and for and some of the populist messaging that's coming from some of the front runners that you're hearing. It's just it it is curious and it is a choice. So one other thing
1: (laughs) I think is curious is, uh, Kirsten, one of the criticisms of what happened with the Democrats in 2016 is that there wasn't really enough criticism of Hillary Clinton during the primaries Mm -hmm. uh, for her to get roughed up enough to be a better general election candidate. That certainly was not the case with Obama in 2008. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's a criticism I've heard. Is Vice President Biden benefiting from a similar situation? And that could come back to haunt him. We haven't yeah. heard any Democrats really talk about all the stuff that, that Trump and this Ukraine scandal is about. And uh, Barisma Hunter, his... His brother, Jimmy. I mean, there is stuff, his entire track record uh, as a senator for decades.
10: Yeah. I mean, he's gotten attacked on the criminal justice issues. Sure, a little think, bit. Yeah. You no, know, And I'd also argue that Hillary got beat up pretty bad in 2008. So, um, But not in 16, I mean. I know, but I mean, I think a lot of the stuff about her had come out. So, I mean, maybe if she'd gotten, whatever, I don't want, you know, let's not go back there about why Hillary lost. Um, but I just think that this is a bad argument to, for Bloomberg to be making, because even bringing up he's never run a school system. I mean, the president doesn't run school systems. That's not what the president does. The president is... The he it doesn't even really run the government. Right. I mean, he he's the visionary or she someday, hopefully, is the visionary is a person who sets the policy and hires people to do that. So I don't think that, you know, I, I just it, to me, it's sort of suggested like he doesn't completely understand what the president does. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need business experience to work in the government.
8: But to your point, I mean, Joe Biden hasn't had a good answer um, as to, you know, the the whole Hunter Biden barisma situation and you'd think that at this point he would um and i think that one of the reasons democrats haven't been attacking him on it is because they don't want to lend credence to the republican attacks on joe biden um but i think for sure and and you've seen him be attacked on his senate record In the early stages, I think that comes back, particularly if he keeps rising, because all the all the clearing seems to be in the lower tier. Once we once once uh, the others start to rise and really get foundations, I think Joe Biden will again sustain some attention.
1: I want to I want to ask you the number of voters who are very satisfied with the field of Democratic candidates has dropped from 38 percent in June to 31 percent now. Uh, What does that say to you about the state of the race and also the potential of somebody like Buttigieg or Amy Klobuchar or someone else to, to actually emerge as the nominee.
9: Yeah, I mean, they've got a little bit of a window to do that about 40 days or so before the Iowa caucus. We'll see them on stage tonight at 8 from Los Angeles. Yeah, and I think the question is, how do they get there? I mean, is you know do all paths to the top tier go through Biden? Folks have tried that. Kamala Harris, for instance, to come on uh, in that first debate didn't work out too well for her. So I think people are a little uh, nervous about what it means to go uh, go after Joe Biden, but
8: I do think Joe Biden. There's a, there's I mean something like his handling and his involvement in the Eric War. You haven't mm-hmm. seen a really a, a Sanders to, a little bit Sanders yeah. a little bit, but you haven't seen that really be vetted, and and that that's an opening for well, some. There's a
11: dynamic in these multi-candidate primaries in both the Republican and the presidential primaries in the past where people are reluctant to go after the front runner because they get hurt too. Right. Until someone pulls a Dick heart to Howard Dean and just says, yeah. "I'm not going to win, so I'm taking this guy out with me." <laughs> we haven't seen that Ruby yet. A <laughs> <a picker. laughs> Yes. Rubio. That's right. That was
9: a vicious. <laughs> so
1: brutal. Everyone yeah. stick around. You don't want to miss, by the way, the final debate of 2019, the PBS NewsHour Politico the Democratic presidential debate live from Los Angeles. You can see it right here on CNN or on your local PBS station. A coverage starts at 8 p.m. Eastern. A message to Democrats they may not like from voters in a Commonwealth that they're trying to win back in 2020. That's next. Stay with us. Left of that. In our 2020 lead today, with less than a year until Election Day, will impeachment hurt President Trump's re-election chances or help it? Back in 2016, one of the ways Trump won the key state of Pennsylvania was by boosting support in small towns in rural areas, places such as Blair County, Pennsylvania, which Romney won 66% of the vote in 2012. Trump won by five points more, 71%. CNN's Martin Savage talked about the impeachment vote with Trump voters there.
5: In Blair County, Pennsylvania, the impeachment of Donald Trump isn't hurting the president.
9: No, I love him.
5: Supporters say it's helping.
6: I think what they're doing is completely wrong. And I will vote for him in the coming election. I
3: think
5: we going to help him get reelected, actually. Voters here are predominantly white, working class, strong in their conservative beliefs. What do you think this will do for Democrats?
2: I think just put a nail in her
5: coffin. Trump won more than 70 percent of the vote in this blue collar county about two hours east of Pittsburgh, significantly outperforming Mitt Romney in 2012. To make America great again. But the Republican county chair says, had I asked him a year ago if Trump could repeat his success in 2020, he he would have said unlikely. Now, I think he'll turn out that percent and more he'll do as good as that maybe even better maybe even better how's that possible two reasons trump voters we talked to here like the economy and low impeachment they credit trump with the former and blame democrats for the latter and how would you say the economy here is in altoona it's it's good uh you know it's not uh people celebrating boom days but it feels like the kind of long-term steady growth At Blair Image Elements, they make signs all of us see. But what critics see as clear evidence of presidential abuse of power, CEO Philip DeBorah sees as just the same old polarized Washington politics that moved him to vote for Trump in the first place. If it did anything, it would make me want to support him more. It's pretty much the same story down on the farm. This location, there's about 1,500 cows being milked. Milk from the Colt family dairy goes into Hershey chocolate and Lander Lake's butter. Culp's business is improving, but his attitude toward impeachment is not. He doesn't follow it much.
4: No, I, uh, I've worked too many
5: hours to pay close attention. The way Culp sees it, voters should elect more like Trump to Congress. Is the impeachment process in any way going to change your outlook or support of this president in 2020?
11: No, um, you know, it just makes me, I guess, more convinced that we need more outsiders in Washington. Not all the
5: Republicans I spoke to here support President Trump. Some object to him for what they call his personal flaws. And that they'll likely do in 2020 what they did in 2016, which is simply not vote. Because unlike other Trump strongholds in this area, when I asked people if there were any Democrats they might possibly consider, the answer was unanimous. No. Jake?
1: Martin Savage in Altoona, thank you so much. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Jake Tapper.
0: Tweet the show at The Lead CNN. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together.